Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I am your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy. I'm Lava. And with us today is our special guest. Please introduce yourself as you would like to be introduced. Hi, I'm James. Uh, I should have come up with a funny character intro. Like, uh, the Craven Coward James? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> was glad to have you. And because you're a guest... I have a series of questions I need to ask you. Ooh. So I'm going to start with a softball. I'm still going to ask all of the same questions. I'm just going to change up the order. Okay. What is your favorite slush flavor? Let's see. Uh, normally I'm a pretty uh, classic. I like uh, cherry uh, sl- cherry slushies. Mm-hmm. Though I did like, have a uh, nice kiwi strawberry one this previous weekend. That was the first slushie I've had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while since I had a slushie too, and now I kind of just want to go buy one. <laughs> I feel like I think I haven't had a uh, an actual slushie in maybe a decade, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might have been true before this weekend where I was uh, on a camping trip with a bunch of friends and went to a 7-Eleven just like, why not? <laughs> Though I, I was like the only one who did not get a super huge thing because even then I'm just like, it's vacation, but do I really need like the 64 ounce? I probably don't. <laughs> I don't think a 64 ounce of any kind of slush would be good, because you either get brain freeze or it will be melted by the time you're done. Yeah, and that's especially bad if you if you do combos, and they were doing some combos, and just like, which is a good idea, but like, oh, if that starts to melt together, you get like, some of those flavors running together, that's probably not such a good idea. Alright, next question is, what is your favorite Scooby-Doo series? Uh... My favorite Scooby-Doo series is uh, Mystery Inc. Like, that one, like, I really love for just, like, it's kind of, like, focus on, like, actual character development and plot and, like, being, kind of doing individual things without, without getting, like, too self-aware of itself. Like, I feel like your perfect ideal Scooby-Doo is, like, you can't get too self-aware of what's doing or some of the tropes because then, like, everything starts to fall apart. Mm. Like, you, you can't be... Like... You can't, like, you can't do too much irony in Scooby-Doo is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you can do, like, you you know, you can do a live-action movie where they're kind of, like, bitter about it and, sh- and Scrappy-Doo is the bad guy. But, like, you, you, you can only do that a few times before you're just like, well, uh, you're just being cynical jerks. I just want to see them, like, solve mysteries and do a door gag. Mm-hmm. Which Scooby-Doo Mystery does, but also has, like, the sheriff. And a uh, fake president, fake mayor dad. Yes. I love most of the characters in that show. Which member of the gang do you relate to most? See, I would definitely look with, relate with Velma. I, I, partially as a kid, like, I had glasses, so just like, oh yeah, she has glasses, and then also can't see when she loses them, which I'm not that bad, but kind of bad. Plus, like, you know, I appreciate, like, she was the one who, like, would almost always be on top of the mystery. And when everyone else is kind of just, like, running around, just like, yeah, I solved it. (laughs) All right. What is your favorite combination of pizza toppings? Uh, bacon green pepper. I like the flavor combination, and that would always guarantee that my younger brother would not try to snipe my pizza leftovers because he (laughs) hates green peppers on pizza. (laughs) 
in the event of cursing happening, which we've done a pretty decent job of recently, mm-hmm. what Scooby-Doo character do you want me to bleep you with? Uh, let's go with uh, Fred's fake mayor dad from Mystery Inc. Like, Perfect. I'm pretty sure he's got some good good like one-liners and like weird... Uh, like It's been a while since I watched it, but I feel he has like, weird kind of like sayings whenever he like, comes across Fred's doing and like weird folksy but not actually really folksy sayings. <laughs> and I need to watch Mr. Ink again. <laughs> Same. Um, if you were in a Hanna-Barbera style cartoon such as Scooby-Doo, what would your catchphrase be? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. I'm trying to think, because like, like, I don't want to use one that, because I feel like I've actually used ones from actual Hanna-Barbera cartoons in my real life. Hey, go for it. Like, I feel like I've definitely used yoinks, and I don't and if it's just like one letter off from from Shaggy, so maybe like Scooby Doo's influenced my life more than I thought. <laughs> and I guess that actually would be the perfect Hanna-Barbera thing to have a catchphrase that's almost similar but just le- just slightly different from the other from like the other property you're hi- you're heavily based off of. Mm. Like I'm sh- like now I'm trying to think of like if the the mechanic from uh, Speed Buggy, who's obviously like a reuse of Shaggy's design, had had like any Shaggy type phrase. <laughs> all right um i think that's it for all of our guest questions now we also have a few questions from twitter let's start out with the easy one um this is from arcade castle at the arcade castle favorite color of crayon i'm gonna go with scarlet i've always liked it more than a regular red it's just a little bit more vibrant yeah i can see that um i like i admittedly mostly just for the name Rasmataz. It's mm. it's got that pinkish red going for it. I'm gonna go with maroon because I remember like always using it as a child, and just like not understanding what like it's a, thinking it was a funny word, but not understanding what it means. It's like I don't know why this is like kind of a deeper red, but I I like it. Mm. We all went with all red, right. basically. Mm-hmm. Basically. Ah uh, yes. All right, so our other question is from Charlie, um, friend of the show Charlie, at Magical underscore Pride on Twitter. Uh, and today they have two questions. First one is, if you were on a zombie island, how well do you think you'd fare? Not well. I'd yeah. probably climb a tree and just, you know, die in the tree. I think for me it depends on the kind of island it is. Mm. If it's an island like in this movie... I would just try to leave immediately. Mm. Honestly, I don't think there's a situation where I'm going to be on an island that often just because I know bugs like to eat me a lot more than they like to eat <laughs> other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely die. I have, do not do well good, good I do not well with zombies. I generally can't watch any movies with zombies even like mm. bad ones that are that are that, that scary. Like, I know some people are, like, super into, like, the Resident Evil, live-action Resident Evil movies as live-action, and I I tried the first one, and I still couldn't deal. Mm. Surprisingly, this this one doesn't actually bother me at all. It's a Scooby-Doo movie, that's why. Yeah, I know, but my... I guess because of, like, there are zombies, but there's not... There's never, like... Like, no one's worrying about, like, zombie bites or getting turned into zombies. Right. I think it's, like, one of the things that always kind of creeps me out about, like, zombie fiction. It's like, no, you just have all sorts of different, like, zombies in, like, 
increasingly weird outfits, which which we're definitely gonna have to talk about when we talk about the the, the actual movie because they're pretty great. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and Charlie's second question is pretty straightforward. How sick of a name is Moonscar Island? <laughs> pretty I think sick. I think it's pretty freaking radical. Oh yeah, that is it is super rad. <laughs> like I, I feel it's like way rather than anything you would have gotten in like, like it's also like probably like the most nineties name they could have come up for this ship for an island. Possibly. Absolutely. Yeah. The only thing that it's missing is the fact that it's not in the shape of a, of a crescent moon. We don't know that. Yeah, they never That's do an aerial true. shot. That's very true. We only see it from the lake, uh, the bayou level. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for housekeeping today. Mm-hmm. Um, just a real quick mention is that as you are listening to us, the newest Scooby-Doo movie's out, and I'll probably tweet about it on Twitter or something. Give like a brief review because it'll probably be a while before we do that as an actual episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless we have a guest that really wants to talk about Bobby Flay. <laughs> I mean, I do feel it's kind of a, like a misdirection of the movie Bobby Flay and not uh, Guy Fieri. Like, yes, what, what, whatever you think of like Guy Fieri, like love him or hate him, like he seems perfect to show up in a Scooby Doo movie. He really does. Yes, and I, he seems like the guy who'd be I kind of hope that means he's too. still on as a chance to be in the new TV series. Ooh. That'd be a pretty good guest appearance. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to see a Scooby Doo movie with uh, Guy Fieri in it. <laughs> I think it might be better for a TV episode just because you could do it as a tie in with Diners, Drive Ins, and Dives, yeah. where they both have gone to the same town for different reasons, or the same reason. Because of Shaggy and Scooby. So, basically the Supernatural episode only crossover instead (laughs) with Guy Fieri's TV show. Actually, he could show up, like, I think we were were talking off mic about the newest Scooby-Doo show, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who? Where it's going to be a new Scooby-Doo type show? He could totally show up on there. He could. (laughs) Alright, well, let's get into... The meat of today's episode. This month, we have already watched Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. It was released on September 22nd, 1998. You know what that means. It's almost Halloween. More importantly, it aired in a television spot on Cartoon Network that same year, but on... October 31st. And you know what that means. It's Halloween. Ooh. That that is some G, that is some high level like television programming. Oh yeah. It's perfect for it. It was directed by Jim Stenstrom, who directed all four of the Mook animated movies, um, which are as a reminder cuz I've gone over this twice now I think. Um, is Zombie Island, Alien Invaders, Witch's Ghost, Cyberspace? Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase. It's not like we watched it or anything. Look. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this will be like three out of four. All you gotta do is watch Alien Invaders now. That's true. 
yeah that, the weird part is going to be that one's probably going to be a lot more separated than the others because those first three were all sort of right next to each other mm-hmm. but we don't currently have that lined up for a guest spot and somebody come on and have that one as a guest guest because i do love that movie it's one of those ones that I watched as a kid and kind of vaguely remember, and I want to talk about it some much, somewhat soonish. Yeah. yeah, I feel like all these like got a lot of heavy like rotation on Cartoon Network. Like Scooby Doo itself was like you could there was a time when like Cartoon Network was like seventy five percent Scooby Doo before they really had any original programming. Mm. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like those first four movies were the first time scooby-doo movies happened since like the 80s jeez yeah i always forget there's like a really big gap between pup named scooby-doo and scooby-doo on zombie island it's, it's just weird to think of, like there was a time when there was like not new scooby-doo cartoons on tv well do you want to know what happened at least movie wise huh? those first few movies weren't very good well, yeah, yeah well i meant like well, I mean, also, like, a new, like, Scooby-Doo animated property, because, like, there was, like, there was, I think there was, like, no real Scooby-Doo things in between, like, Pup Name and Scooby-Doo in this. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm curious. Because I think soon after these, they did What's New Scooby-Doo, which was its first TV show in, like, a while. Yeah, that was 2003, I believe. Oh, wow, that actually was a bigger gap than I thought. Might have been 2002, but it was early 2000s. Um, as heavily evidenced by the ska punk uh, opening sound. Okay, that that would actually make sense because I was I was kind of curious when the 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 live action film came out. And that came out in two thousand two, so I can see them like on the popularity of that movie, them launching a new TV show. So actually, I figured out what's going on with the uh, cartoon department too of why they didn't have any Scooby Doo shows on then. Yeah. Um, let me just read off the lineup for the Hanna-Barbera Production Company during the 90s. Oh dear. <clears throat> the Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. I Am Weasel. Oh. Cow and Chicken. Johnny Bravo. Dexter's Lab. The oh Real God. Adventures of Johnny Quest. What a Cartoon, which is where a lot of these cartoons stemmed from. Mm-hmm. Um, SWAT Cats. The New Adventures of Captain Planet. Um, and several others. So it's kind of loaded. Yeah. Wait, there was a New Adventures of Is that different than, like, the old Adventures of Captain Planet? I have no idea. Are there multiple Captain Planet shows that I somehow didn't know about? Uh, Let's see. Well, that one was... Let me just control That that weirds me out. I've only ever seen, like, images for... from. I'm assuming it's the old one. Yeah. Unless they recreated the exact same style. Hmm. It's a continuation of Deke's Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Mm. Which was also in the 90s, they just switched companies. Okay, so it was probably more like an, an, an additional season when just rebranding. more. So it's kind of like more like New Doug than like a Doug reboot or something. Mm. Yes. Okay. Hey, welcome to uh, Planeteers and their Power Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Though it's interesting you mentioned all those uh, Anna-Barbera productions since this shares some stuff with that where Mook, I was looking at Mook Animation they did a whole bunch of animation for Hanna-Barbera in the 90s including Squat Cat Squat Cats 
<laughs> and a lot of the the I believe the primary writers are also the writers, the creators of SWAT Cats. Yeah, I was actually going to say, let's continue the Squat Cat talk, because this movie, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, was written by Glenn Leopold and Davis Doy, who also did several other Scooby-Doo movies, but also were the creators of Swat Cats. Yeah, I, I remember discovering in my time researching this, that apparently this is, this movie is actually based on Glenn Leopold's script for an unfinished Swat Cats episode, The Curse of Cataluna. <laughs> it's just so so funny to me. I never knew this, and I feel like I have missed out on something joyous, and now I know about it, and it's amazing. Uh, This movie was also produced by Cosmo Anzilotti. Anzilotti. Let me... That's probably the second way was probably the correct way to say it. (laughs) Um, And this movie was dedicated to the original voice of Scooby-Doo, Don Messick, who had passed away by the time of this film's release. Mm. And as far as voice talent, we have Scott Eines as Scooby, Billy West as Shaggy Rogers, uh, Mary Kay Bergman as Daphne, Frank Welker as Fred, B.J. Ward as Velma, Tara Strong as Lena Dupree, Jim Cummings as Jacques, and Mark Hamill as Snakebite Scrubs. What? Right? Right? Yeah, I didn't catch that. Also, a special shout out to uh, Cam Clarkson as Bo. I'm just like, why does he sound familiar? It's like, oh, he's, he's Liquid Snake. <laughs> also, the original voice of Akira from like the the early dub, the one with all the swears. <laughs> yeah. Also, I remember reading uh, B.J. Ward. This is not her first time playing Velma, where she actually voiced Velma in the Johnny Bravo crossover episode, which I think probably like predates this by like probably like only like a year or a couple months. Hmm. Is that the one with I can't be seen without my glasses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. They do do that. They. Yeah. I, I honestly, I quote that at least like once a month. It feels like I. I will never forget that line. It's a, It's mm-hmm. great. Um. Wikipedia also says this is the first. This is the gang's first encounter with genuine, deadly, supernatural threat, and that is a dang lie. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to call that out if you were. <laughs> I, re- I feel like I remember it being marketed as the first time or something oh, like that. Oh, it super was. Because I bought this movie on DVD for this show and actually it came on one of those DVDs that has a different movie on each side. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the features was the original trailer featurette thing for it. And one of the driving lines is, <clears throat> And this time, the monsters are real. We just watched the Boo Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ugh. And we're about to watch Ghoul School, and then right after that one is Reluctant Werewolf. And both of those are movies entirely based around real monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Plus 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. And that one season where it's just sh- uh, Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy wandering around, like, occasionally running to monsters, but it's like there's no mystery, they're just hijinks. Oh my god. I Which, even as a kid, I could tell, like, these episodes are the bad episodes, aren't they? <laughs> and I wasn't even anti-Scrappy-Doo as a kid, but, like, I could tell, like, oh, when, the, when it doesn't have a mystery, it, it, it's not as good. Mm. I think that those 
that all of this just means it's canon that redshirt shaggy is a different universe or later on in the timeline right <laughs> or in the very far past as we speculated in an earlier episode <laughs> God, I forgot we did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so actually this entire time I thought this movie was one of those red shirt Shaggy movies. It is not. Shaggy is just in a regular green shirt. Everybody else has a different outfit except for Shaggy, really. And mm-hmm. I guess technically Velma, unless it's a slightly different red. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The highlights include Freddy's like... Like pocket vest? It's supposed to, I guess it's supposed to be like a production vest. Probably, considering what he is in this movie, what he kind of is anyway. Oh, speaking of which, before we get too much in the movie proper, I did find one other bit of trivia. Apparently, while Takamoto Scooby's original designer was still working at Hanna Barbera at the time, and they apparently actually consulted him as an advisor and he apparently storyboarded some some a couple sequences between Scooby and Shaggy on this which is actually really cool. That is really neat. Thank you. I'm glad to know that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people getting a lot of hands in this movie in particular um, and I I think that is partly due to just the fact that it's the first Scooby-Doo movie in 10 years. Mhm. Mm-hmm. A lot of nostalgia. Mhm. Yeah, there was a. I feel like there was a pretty big push for this back in the day. That that's how I remember it, even as a as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh God! The other thing I just remembered about the DVD that I purchased for this is that the advertisements on this DVD that I bought in the year 2018 are for VHS copies of the Scooby Doo movies. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> that's Amazing. beautiful. Available only on home video. <laughs> What is DVD but home video? Anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm a millennial. I don't know what a house is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing only it's a thing only like your parents own. <laughs> uh, Alright. Now that I am thirty minutes into my recording, mm-hmm. let's talk about yeah. the movie. Let's see. Um so we open on a rainy cliffside castle. And we see these monster hands rip open a door, revealing all of the gang. We should have had a counter of how many times we enter a movie in media res. Mm-hmm. I think it's every one of them. Yeah. I think it's all of them except for the Boo Brothers. Y- yeah? yeah? Yeah. I will say, minor low point in this opening scene, as they go through the castle, which is all very beautiful, like very like hand-painted background... It, like, the font text for, like, the titles and the credits, it's, like, this really ugly, like, 90s, like, word art with, like, a glow around it, and it's, like, kind of spoils the mood. <laughs> I will say that the music is really rad throughout that scene. Yeah. Um, so, Shaggy, the entire gang splits up as soon as the monster breaks open the door, uh, and Shaggy bolts into a direction, gets behind the door, and starts clocking all of the locks. He bolts and then the door. To- yeah. <laughs> And then he goes to a door on the opposite side, and the moment he opens it, there's the monster. Yep. <laughs> so then he runs down a third entrance to this room. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds Scooby, and we begin the first chase sequence of the movie featuring sort of a remix of the original Scooby-Doo theme song. Yep. Did you, did you look up who it's doing the remix of the song? 
I I didn't. I, I saw it forever it is, ago. I don't remember. It is remixed by Third Eye Blind. Oh my gosh. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> with for hits with the hit song, I actually didn't think to just look what Third Eye Blind's hit single was like. But that feels like the most late '90s choice they could have had for this. And to their own, they do a good cover of it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty rockin' uh, remix. So Shaggy and Scooby try to do the door hallway thing, but the monster just sort of stands at the end of the hallway and watches them instead. (laughs) (laughs) Probably pondering, like, how does this physically work? Yeah. And then the rest of the gang walks up behind the monster. The monster sees them, and then Captain America is a shield at them. (laughs) Uh, They take off, run through a guardrail, and... Daphne and Velma nearly fall off the side of this building. Yep. It's like Scooby, um, towards the end of the sequence, knocks down a bunch of suits of armor, and the monster just happens to be at the other end of the line of suits of armor, and the suits of armor crash into the monster, and the monster's trapped. And that is where we end the nice chase remix. Um, Shaggy shows up and helps Fred pull up Velma and Daphne. And we get our first unmasking of the episode. Mr. Mr. Beeman? Beeman? The real estate agent? Yeah, he was printing millions in counterfeit dollars in the basement. And that stuff we thought was mold was actually green ink. Scooby takes the mask and puts it on his hand like a puppet and then manages to scare himself with it. (laughs) So he... Of course he does. And then we fade into Daphne telling the story, the case of the moat monster, in a talk show segment. The only thing I can tell about this is that the host of the talk show is named Chris, and the name of their show is also Chris. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, We find out through the discussion on this talk show is that Daphne has a talk show of her own, Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake, her very successful syndicated series on Americana going on its second season. Yes, with the Fred Jones as its one-man producer and crew. (laughs) They mentioned that aside from just them, the rest of the gang split up because every mystery ended with just a guy in a mask, which sounds like bad reasoning if you ask me, but okay. Yeah, there's a bit of kind of like retconning that's like, oh yeah, we were looking for a real ghost, which is like, definitely uh, was never really the goal of any of the original episodes. Yeah, I will say that that particular character trait in this movie is very out of nowhere and doesn't fit anything else, but hey, it's part of this movie, I guess it works enough. Well, I think aside from the gang splitting up because of it, I think it makes sense for Daphne with a television show to want to find a real ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, because Daphne's second season is Haunted America, a.k.a. Ghost to Ghost with Daphne Blake, a.k.a. the prequel to Ghost Hunters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Daphne specifically mentions that she misses hanging out with the gang. And um, we cut to Fred just getting an idea. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Scooby and Shaggy, who are watching the talk show. And we zoom out, and they're... Airport Customs Security, (laughs) which, naturally, Scooby is the one to be sniffing out the contraband. Yeah. This is a a very weird joke from uh, the far future of 2018, I gotta admit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the boss yells at them to get back to work, and then Scooby goes and sniffs out a wheel of Gouda, I'm guessing, in some luggage. Shaggy does say Gorgonzola later, so maybe oh, sorry, that's, that's what, what it is. Was. Gorgonzola. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they put it in the customs closet, and that closet is full of food. Yeah! Huh, I wonder what's going to happen the next time we see Scooby and Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Uh, and then we cut to Dinkley's Mystery Bookstore, and Mystery is written in a nice spooky font. Is it Mystery Ink Bookstore? No, it's just mystery. Like, huh. mystery uh, genre. I was actually looking this up, and apparently they actually give accidentally give it th- Vilma's Bookshop three different names. The sign says Dinkley's Mystery Bookshop on the window. On the window. Then Dinkley's Mystery Books on the sign sticking out. And then when she gets called on the phone, she says Mystery Ink Books Bookshop. I so, thought so. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> there was a bit of miscommunication between... It definitely would have so. been the best if they had called it Mystery Ink, but ink spelled with a K. Yes! Oh, I was literally so just good. thinking that, looking at my notes. Like, I wonder if that's what it was in the script, but it didn't get conveyed to, like, the animators. Mm, maybe. Yeah, so uh, what she could gets been? a phone call, and it is someone who wants to hold four books in a series. <laughs> For ne- the next two weeks? Two weeks starting Tuesday. Um, but it sounds like business is slow, because that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. She sounds so bored. Yeah, that was another note, like... The idea of uh, Velma owning a solely mystery bookstore also seems kind of unlikely in 2018 for different reasons. <laughs> Honestly, the, I feel like the most likely line of work for Velma to get into would have been CSI work. Yeah. 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 But uh, I guess you can't really just stop doing that like you can running a pretty empty bookstore. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she gets a call, a second call, and this one's from Fred. And then Velma just immediately agrees to something that we don't hear the details of. We cut to Daphne getting ready for her trip. Uh, Was it that right? Uh, wait, do, do we no, s- we, uh, we missed... There's the scene with Shaggy and oh, Scooby back at the right. airport. <laughs> That's right. They have eaten everything except for a couple of Gorgonzolas. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. which the boss says, You're a couple of Gorgonzolas, you're fired! <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that line down too. <laughs> and uh, Scooby and Shaggy are are, are kind of weeping because oh no, they've lost another job, uh, and then they're going to starve. And then they get and and they get a call from Fred, and their uh, Shaggy's mood turns right around. It's like, nah, we can take a we can take a some time off. Uh, we were thinking yeah. about taking a vacation anyway. I mean, Shaggy comes from money. It's fine. Yeah, he's fine. So this is where we see Fred pull the van up next to Daphne, who's getting ready to go on the first part of her tour of Ghost America. Mm-hmm. Fred is constantly just sort of asking, like, did you forget anything? Is that everything you need? Did you forget anything? Because it turns out it's her birthday. Yeah. And she had forgotten, and she is reminded when they open the trunk to the van, and the rest of the gang is there. Surprise! (laughs) So, they all say their hellos and give hugs and all of that. Velma pulls out a box of Scooby Snacks (laughs) and tells them to go fetch 
And when they catch them, she says, I've been saving these Scooby snacks for a long time. How long do you think she's been saving these Scooby snacks? <laughs> Since the 1980s? That is also my guess. <laughs> Same here. Uh, uh, these Scooby snacks have gone stale. Yeah. It's, and Scooby and Shaggy immediately don't want to eat them. That's how bad they are. Yeah, I, I definitely saw that and they're just like, ah, oh, these are too stale for them. It's like, really? Well, here's are the thing you- is, Scooby spits it out. I think Shaggy does finish eating them. Well, that's later. Or at least the ones that were thrown at them. Well, that's true. Um, so they're about to head off to Louisiana, the first stop on the Haunted America tour. But first, Fred pe- pulls off the Daphne Blake Coast to Coast sign and reveals just the original Mystery Machine paint. Mm-hmm. And this entire time, this van has clearly been the Mystery Machine, just with a new label on it. And it's like, yeah, who owns the Mystery Machine? I think in this universe, it's Fred. It must be. Um, and I think the weirdest part is that the sign for Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake isn't like a matching color. It's a <laughs> different blue that just stands out entirely. Yep. <laughs> Um, so the group does a quick high five before they head out and they, there's a montage set to a nice song all about how every monster is a fake person in a mask and it's a montage of them unmasking monsters and sure enough, there's just a person there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of like, not like late nineties pop punk in this, uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Highlights. I wrote down some of the highlights of like the monsters. We had like crawfish, bat monster. Haunted scheme, haunted steamboat captain. Oh, I think that lobster may have been the lobster from Scooby Goes Hollywood. I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that too. They finally oh. unmasked him. Uh. That it looked very familiar as a monster design. It really did. Oh, also a uh, side note for when they—it's actually kind of nice with the reunion that they're all nice and it's not like, like. Even though it's like late nineties, like no one thought to be like, "Oh yeah, let's have them be all cynical and like, like mm. be mad at each other for breaking." It was like, no, no, we're all just like friends who just like drift apart, and now we're going together and like solving mysteries again, which is yeah. nice. Unlike yeah. the live action movie, yeah, right. Uh, Jimothy Gunn, what did you do? <laughs> well, like we were like hitting like dangerous levels of irony in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And we see where that's gotten us now. Yeah. It's true. Very true. So, throughout this whole montage, Daphne has been visibly disappointed every time. And finally, the montage ends, and they pause in a market um, where Daphne is complaining that they haven't found a real-life ghost. Sidebar. Yeah. Velma says, that's an oxymoron, Daph. (laughs) Yeah. I also like there's a like, the conversation that like Velma's like yeah it's like ah it's just like the good old days and Dad's like yeah too much like the good old days yeah <laughs> I also uh, think it's neat that instead of having Shaggy or Scooby just in the background eating this time it's Fred just chomping down on some beignets <laughs> yeah he's got like a full box of them is just chomping away <laughs> Daphne says what she wants is a house that's really haunted. There must be one in Lu- somewhere in Louisiana. To which we get a voice say, Oh, there is. I work there. Uh, in comes Lena Dupree. 
the chef of the house on Moonscar Island. It's she. It must be legit. There must be a ghost there. It's called Moonscar Island. Yes, it's in a bayou, and a pirate named Morgan Moonscar died there, and his spirit still haunts the place. What's really funny about all this is how skeptical Fred is. I love it's like, it. Throughout this entire movie, it's like, ah, oh, it's just a guy in a mask. Ah, oh, it's just a hologram. And it's so funny because I feel like that was Velma a lot of the times. It super was. I think it's neat because both Fred and Velma are on that side. Velma like, flips either way, but the moment Fred's like, it could be this, Velma's like, oh yeah, of course, or it could be this too. Right. But hearing Fred say that, oh, it's probably just a man in a suit, Lena's like, oh, I get it if you're just too scared. <laughs> but if you change your mind, I'll be glad to take you there. And so Daphne's like, well, we're gonna go there. I need a haunted house for my television program. Uh, Velma puts in Moonscar Island in their database that they have in the mystery machine. Yeah, okay, I'm glad to get to talk about, like, her, like, computer system in the van somehow, which I guess that's not that implausible as far as, like, you know, things like people manage to stick in their cars. But it's still kind of silly, just like, yeah, she has her full computer system to access the internet from anywhere in 1998. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely going to be, like, on a satellite thing. And yeah. also, it is very clearly also a surveillance setup because there are like those four mini CRT camps. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um, but she puts in Moonscar Island in the database and she finds that there have been a lot of strange disappearances over the years. Hmm. Daphne's pleased to hear that because it l lends credence to the idea that this is going to be a legit haunted house. Yeah, um, so we cut over to Shaggy and Scooby, who are getting a sandwich, and they just load it up with peppers and hot sauce. They cut the, the sandwich in half, mm -hmm. Scooby immediately eats his half, and then eats the filling from Shaggy's. <laughs> so Shaggy only eats eats two slices of bread, and he comments, That was a lot less filling than I thought it would be. <laughs> and the best part, I think, is be that they actually follow up on that here in a second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the gang all gets in the van, follows uh, Lena to the dock, and Shaggy's in the back just munching on those stale Scooby snacks because he's still hungry. Yeah. <laughs> they meet up at the bayou, uh, at a ferry on the bayou, and we meet the ferryman, Jock, yeah. voiced by Jim Cummings. And quite possibly my favorite character in this movie, just for his utterly absurd Cajun accent. Like, <laughs> I feel like every time he says Bayou, he tries to emphasize more. Because it's just like, it's like, people go into that Bayou, and they don't never come back. <laughs> like, it's, the Gambit from the X-Men, from the 90s X-Men cartoon would think he's a bit, he's playing it a bit much. And it's always amazing. <laughs> I think I wrote down most of his dialogue. Oh, I certainly did. I certainly did one of them, and it's great, and I can't wait to get to it. Mm -hmm. So Jacques makes that spooky comment about how no one ever comes back, and Vilma is very visibly amused by mm -hmm. that comment. It's like she looks at Daphne and Fred and it's like, uh, that's funny kind of kind of expression on her face. I just love 
I love it. It's hysterical. Yeah, there was also at least... I, I watched it with subtitles going on to make sure I got all the dialogue. There was at least one where they kind of gave up trying to figure out what he said. Because <laughs> I forget the exact context. But he said... But, like, don't, but like he's talking with Daphne, and he says, Come yeah, share! Which I just put question mark, which is like... No, I, this is actually where I turn the subtitles on. It's like, surely they must know what it says. And it just says, of course. And it's like, is that really what he said? Was that even, I don't know, is that supposed to be, is that, that's, is that French? Is that Cajun? Is that something Jin Cummings said and they just said, we're keeping that take? I think it's probably like some really busted French. <laughs> uh, so they get on the ferry and Lena finally sees that they have a dog and he's like, mm, hold on, I didn't know you had a dog. Dog? Where? Uh, see, the thing is, my employer, Miss... Lenoir <laughs> keeps cats. Shaggy mm-hmm. says Scooby is great with cats, and it urges Scooby to nod, and Scooby nods. <laughs> Jacques starts giving them like a whole history lesson about how in the 1700s pirates hid from the law in this bayou, and Morgan Moonscar being one of the most famous. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby meet Big Mona, a very large catfish that yeah. no one's been able to catch. And you can tell because she's still there. <laughs> yeah. Specific, or as Jock was it, ain't nobody never been able to catch her. Ain't nobody ever gonna eat Will. <laughs> I think he uses like a double negative in like every sentence. <laughs> or it's, if it's not a true double negative, it's that southern kind of roundabout way to say you it can't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Mona does not like dogs. And it's very clear that for that when she sprays uh, Scooby in the face with a bunch of water. Scooby is very upset about this and tries to grab at her and ends up falling into the bayou with Shaggy trying to hold him back and falling in anyway. And both of them falling in. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, Gators! Gators! Uh, Velma throws a life preserver out there while Jacques tries to spin this giant fairy around. <laughs> yeah. And immediately the life preserver gets destroyed by a gator. <laughs> yes, it does. I also, and of course, when uh, Freddy tells him to turn it out, Jacques says, like, I'm trying, son, but she don't turn on no dime. <laughs> they, they get chased by some gators a little bit uh, before they are rescue, rescued by a very grumpy man. With his fishing hook. Um, his name is Snakebike Scruggs, and he has been chasing after Big Mona for years and has never caught her. I hate tourists. They keep chasing away Big Mona. <laughs> uh, and he has a hunting boar called Mojo. Who can smear a catfish a mile away. <laughs> I forget whether that's Jack or Skaggs who says that. It's, it's Skaggs. Skugs. Skags? I don't remember what it is. I wrote it yeah. down. Skags? Scrubs? I, I can't remember either. Yeah. We could probably look it up, but... Yeah. It was um hit mid-2000s television show Scrubs, starring Zach Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, they get back on the ferry. Yeah, they get back on the ferry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skugs actually lifts Shaggy up by the collar of his shirt with his fishing hook, and... Mm-hmm. Puts him on the other on the ferry. It's it's like oh my gosh, this man. 
Shaggy says to Velma, uh, pretty suspicious, huh? But Velma's like, yeah, and he saved your- Although he immediately regretted it afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. True. Um, They arrive on the island itself. They get off the ferry. And they, uh, they have a very bumpy ride to the Moonscar Mansion. There are so many cats. Yeah, it is teeming and swarming with cats. And Scooby immediately jumps out the window <laughs> and chases them. Messes yeah. up the garden in the process and runs directly into Miss Lenoir. But in Scooby's defense, the cats were basically taunting him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cats who... I didn't see a credit, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to guess our voice by Frank Welker. Because he does kind of like that nasally cat voice. <laughs> they do they do constantly taunt. It did seem a little weird to me, even watching it now, just to have Scooby-Doo chasing cats. Because, like, it's one of the few times he really he actually acts like a dog. Mm-hmm. But uh, Miss Lenoir is not is, uh, less than impressed by mm-hmm. this dog. In which we get our second dog. Where? Daphne gets out and goes to introduce herself. And it's like, oh, I'm Daphne Blake from Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake. Uh, we don't get television on Moonscar Island. <laughs> um, she gives a little brief, brief description of the house that's been in the Lenoir family for generations. And the farm is home to some of the hottest peppers in Louisiana. Hmm. Yeah, I will admit, I kind of question the concept of a pepper plantation... But then I remember that I really like Mystery Inc. in which the, one of the second episode have them go to a town where they mine gators. So probably can't really criticize it that much. So they, Lin was like, all right, yeah, I'll take you on a quick tour of the house. Um, just take your dog to the kitchen. No, no. Uh, please keep keep a handle on your dog. And Shaggy says, um, Scooby is always... Uh, distracted by food and she says well you're welcome to my kitchen and they head straight for the kitchen yeah they don't need a second invitation no also i uh we should also mention that this scene introduced us to the uh groundskeeper uh Bo, who is voiced by cam clarkson mm-hmm. and you can tell because he definitely sounds like cam clarkson <laughs> cam clark did I was I was think I got his name wrong, but whatever. I we'll think it's it just Cam Clark. Yeah, Cam yeah. Clark. He was extremely upset about Sha- uh, Scooby running through his garden and messing everything up. Yeah, Lena, to the point where Lena's like, "Oh, he'll handle it. He's the uh, the gardener," and he's just like, "Oh, gardener will handle it." Yeah. Very very grumpy. Um, so in the kitchen, Shaggy and Scooby decide to try Lena's gumbo, and they decide it needs a little bit more spice, so they go into the pantry and grab a jar of peppers. Mm-hmm. Cut to the gang and Lena in the living room, immediately hearing a scream. <laughs> and we see Shaggy and Scooby just chugging lemonade and water to cool down that pepper heat. Um, the gang and their hosts are not impressed. Or at least, uh, Miss Lenoir is not impressed. I think the best part is that Lenoir basically just brags about how hot the peppers are. Yeah. 
Um, after they deal with the Pepper situation, they continue their tour, and at this point, Simone or Miss Lenoir tells Daphne to just call her Simone, and they leave the kitchen. And Shaggy immediately dares Scooby to eat another pepper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but then we see a visible cold chill enter the room and start carving words into the wall. Mm-hmm. Cut back to the gang, Simone and Lena in the library, and hearing another scream. Mm-hmm. What's admirable, admirable about this is they do go still check on them. Mm-hmm. Even though they they will they kind of probably suspect, oh, it's just another pepper thing. They still check on them, which is a good thing because they are cowering, cowering in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they say what's going on, they point to the writing on the wall and carved are the words, get out. Um, and at this point, Daphne and Fred start filming and Daphne breaks out the hairbrush to make sure everything's nice. Yeah. Um, and as they're doing like 10 seconds of filming, the cold breeze returns and more words appear carved into the wall, mm-hmm. adding the word beware. <laughs> I feel like, or, so some own, I mean, he's like, oh yeah, this haunting's probably just begun. The ghosts get more restless after sundown. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like if your house is so haunted to the point where you routinely understand that after sundown, things are just going to go nuts in your house, including writing on the wall and all of that, you would have moved. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why they kind of put up with it, but... But we don't know that yet. This is true. Yeah, not to spoil things. Yeah. Until we, until we get to the point where we spoil it, anyway. <laughs> Maybe it could be said that, but it is a very profitable um, pepper plantation. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to leave. Well, you don't have to live on your pepper plantation to still own it. True. Anyways, Velma starts floating. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Velma starts floating. Uh, Velma is very not happy about this. Every other time this has happened, Fred's like, "Oh, it's probably magnets or wires," and Velma's like, "No, there's no wires." <laughs> Um, and when she asks someone to get her down, Shaggy and Scooby immediately jump to help with no problem, which I think is very nice. Yeah. yeah. Granted, of course, it ends with her landing on top of them. Like, I mean, notes have, like, Scooby catches her with, cat- with uh, catches in quotation marks. <laughs> but he tried. Uh, so they start reviewing the footage, and Daphne has Fred enhance. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now, they're reviewing the footage... Through the video camera. So it's on the tiny screen of the video camera. I remember what 1998 video cameras were like. And you cannot enhance. (laughs) Oh, and like you can... You can even tell based on that footage how grainy the footage is. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out if every episode of coast to coast with daphne blake looked and sounded like that because it sounds like it is coming over a styrofoam radio yeah Mm -hmm. maybe it was a ghostly interference 
Um, but yeah, they see the ghost of Morgan Moonscar carving those words into the wall. Daphne immediately jumps up and is excited. Simone is surprised that they aren't just gonna leave. And Fred is like, mm, it could be a hologram. Yeah. But Velma brings up a good point of then why didn't it show up? Why did it only show up on the camera? Because it, it, they never saw a ghost. Oh, I just realized something. Oh? Despite them being in the bayou, no one ever uses the excuse of, it was swamp gas. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. They never do. It's obviously going to be a logical explanation for everything. And then mm -hmm. they hear a growl. And Shaggy's like, well, the logical explanation for that growling is that we're hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. did, uh, did you guys get the line where, like, Daphne's just like, we don't scare that easily. And Shaggy says, we do. Because <laughs> that was a good line. It was a good line. Pro probably, like, the most quintessential, like, Scooby-Doo exchange. Yeah. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby go and make a picnic basket <laughs> while Velma investigates the wall writing and starts peeling away the paint. Yeah. Revealing the word Maelstrom. Before that, there is one good gag where they're trying to put packing the the, the picnic baguette, and they take a, a big su a submarine sandwich, you know, one of like the big party subs, mm -hmm. try putting it, it won't fit, so they then like start eating from other sides until they they eat it enough that it just falls straight into the basket. Yeah, which is a good gag. Yeah, it's like they could have just cut it in half, but no, nah. they're hungry. So um, after after Velma reveals the word on the wall. Um, Lena walks in and is like, what are you doing to my kitchen? And, and Velma's sheepish and says, I guess I got a little carried away. Yeah, um, and Simone, who is very clearly more peeved about the fact that the wall has been damaged than anything else, is like, look, it's an old house. They probably used parts of the ship to, uh, construct the house because, um, Morgan Mail Morgan Moonscar ship was called maelstrom mm -hmm. yeah uh, fred also immediately jumps to the conclusion that someone is dressing as a pirate ghost to scare off people for the treasure mm -hmm. yes because simone mentions moonscar's hidden treasure yeah mm -hmm. and it's so funny because daphne along with simone and um lena are, are looking at him like really you expect that even though that's 100 percent happened a million times to these kids <laughs> Like, it's a logical thing for Fred to say this. Yeah, I mean, yet, capitalism has caused so many problems in these kids' lives. Yep. Scooby and Shaggy are out having their hot pepper picnic. Yes. Some, some cats start taunting Scooby again. And Scooby immediately goes chasing them. He tears up some of the lawn as a result and chases them into the woods, gets stuck in a log, comes out and has a frog hat. By mm -hmm. which I mean a frog that he is wearing as a hat, which I have a very important question about this frog, because it is very clear that Scooby is controlling the eyes of the frog. Now, we don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know where Scooby's eyes are, uh, which direction they're facing, if they're actually ro rolling around, or if it's just the frog. <laughs> Maybe it's just the frog. Fair. It'd just be very coincidental. Yeah. Um, as a side note, Shaggy 
was going to be chasing after Scooby, but immediately got distracted by the pepper plantation and started picking peppers. Scooby stumbles onto Snakebite Scruggs, who sicks Mojo on him. On him, Mojo the while uh, the the pet boar, hunting boar, whatever it is. Scooby runs away and run, uh, meets back up with Shaggy, and Shaggy starts running away. Shaggy, who is picking a pack of pickled peppers. Yes. Um, and Mojo chases them both into a very square hole. Yes. Very deep square hole. Suspiciously deep. <laughs> Shaggy says a really good line. <laughs> Chased into a hole by one third of a BLT. Oh, uh, so Scooby and Shaggy are trying to escape the hole that they've fallen into. And they end up shifting a- some dirt. To reveal a skeleton. Ooh. Skeleton hand. Skeleton hand. Mm-hmm. It's the skeleton hand. Um. And then a spooky vortex appears and reanimates the bones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it then does. the bones start growing flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it turns into a zombie. And it's not just any zombie, but the zombie of Morgan Moonscar. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shaggy and Scooby just immediately jump out of the hole and run straight into Bo, who was still mad about the first time. They say, hey, we were being chased by a dead guy, but there's no dead guy to be seen anywhere. And then a bush starts shaking, and it's the gang and Lena and Simone. I believe like, they also reveal that Bo dug the hole. Uh, we yes, never they know why. This, they do this here um, because Shaggy and Scooby takes everyone to the hole and say, yeah, we ran into a dude in here. Um, and when they asked, Bo's like, yeah, I was planting flowers, but then I got thirsty, so I went and got some lemonade. <laughs> but like, when he says he's planting flowers, he pulls up like these tiny potted plants. And Velma's like, <laughs> what were you planting? That hole is the size of an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> it is a ridiculous hole. It looks like a grave. Mm-hmm. Like a grave for an elephant. Um, Shaggy, Scooby, and Fred all suggest leaving, but Daphne's like, hold on. There's a ghost here, and I need footage. Um, and Simone says, yeah, plus the sun's going down, and the ferry doesn't run at night, and we have plenty of rooms, and I can't just you leave without showing that southern hospitality, etc., etc. And then Lena goes in to make dinner. Yeah, as once uh, Simone says offers to feed them dinner, we get Shaggy says, it's like, like, being in a state of constant terror makes us constantly hungry. Just like... A very, which explains an awful lot about uh, Scooby and Shaggy. Mm-hmm. It really does. This is Bear Yogi, and I'm making a scene to rap about drugs, if you know what I mean. In case you're wondering what Dare's all about, listen up for a minute till you figure it out. Dare teaches kids to never take drugs, then asks the parents to give the kids hugs. Take it from Yogi, doing drugs is gross. You can get in trouble from even one dose. Since drugs change the way you look and feel, why be a part of such a weird deal? All right, folks, uh, sorry. 
If things sound different now, it's because we had to stop because of technical difficulties. And we are now coming back at a later time, at an actual later time, after I've gotten back from work. And these two have worked all day. Yep. Mm-hmm. I believe we left off with Lena showing everyone to their rooms Mm -hmm. one by one, and we learned that tonight is the Harvest Moon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I gotta really appreciate when Lena says that it's the Harvest Moon, because there's a moment where it's like, so autumn-y, autumn-y, that it looks like it's fall outside on her face, if that makes any sense. Uh, everybody is shown to the room, and Shaggy opens up his suitcase full to the brim with just regular green t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and is making like an, a big show of like, oh, maybe I should get changed for dinner. Maybe uh, have a little trim of his, of his goatee thing. Yeah, it's like a very imperceptible, like you can see it cutting something, but there's no change at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm during this time, Scooby. Meanwhile, Scooby imitates an owl. Yep. Including a very silly face. Like, there's one face in particular that just made me lose it. <laughs> Big eyed and, like, almost duck lips. <laughs> but more. It was smaller than your average duck lips. It was, it was really funny. Uh, as Shaggy is trimming his facial hair. A very Colonel Beauregard-looking ghost yep. shows up in the mirror. Yeah, I, I will say, this ghost is not riding a penny farthing. Yeah, that's that's the problem with this movie, I think, is there's no penny farthing. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy freak out, and we cut to Fred getting ready, and there's an amusing moment where Fred is trying on an ascot before deciding, nah, and taking it off. Like it's not part of his life anymore. Yep. And after he puts it away, Shaggy and Scooby burst in and jump into his arms. Um, and not being able to carry the weight of a full adult man and full adult dog, he stumbles out into the hallway and directly into Miss Simone Lenoir, <laughs> who is headed up to here with this dog. Dog? Where? Shaggy and Scooby tell everyone when they come out of their rooms to find out what's happening, tell them that there's another ghost! And they go to investigate the mirror that they saw the ghost come from. Yeah, Velma was investigating it, and she gets knocked over by Squee flipping the mirror and and gets her glasses knocked off. And then when she goes clean, she finds out she's missing her glasses cleaning cloth. Put a pin in this, because this will become important later. Mm-hmm. And after they dust off the back of the mirror, they find that this was a property of Colonel Jackson T. Pettigrew, 8th Louisiana, which is a regiment of a Confederate group forces thing, and Simone mentions that there were Confederate barracks on the island. Lots of stuff on this island. Yes, but I say, is there anything this island doesn't do? I don't know. 1920s gangsters? Now it seems out there. but it's dinner time now so they go downstairs shaggy and scooby have to are told to eat in the kitchen and we see that fred has changed into a very nice blazer yeah and actually so is daphne i think 
Or at least it gives the impression that everyone in, except for Velma is dressed up here. I think it's the same blazer that Daphne's been wearing. Yeah, it's just um, I keep part of her new seeing outfit. it thinking, huh, that's new in this one scene. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, we get a throwaway from Lena saying that Bo wasn't in his room, but normally he takes his meals there. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby, like I said, they were told to go into the kitchen to eat. But when they go in there, there's too many cats. Lots of cats. Scooby immediately starts chasing them. And in order to solve this situation, Lena makes them a sort of to-go pot to go eat in the fan. The mystery machine. Mm -hmm. During dinner, Velma asks Simone how long Bo has been working for. And the answer is several months. Fred thinks he's very suspicious and... Simone gets such a great line here. Oh, he had excellent references. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think during this, Fred and Velma are just trading possible motives that people could have to uh, get them off the island. Pretend to be a ghost on this island. Yeah. And then Daphne just gets mad about it because, as we know, she wants it to be a real ghost. Yes, she does. Um, outside, Shaggy and Scooby are finishing up their meal, uh, and they top it off with a pepper each. They get overwhelmed. Oh. oh, Sorry, we need to mention that the mystery machine did get moved because oh, yeah. it was next to a tree full of cats. Yes, that's true. So they had to drive it way out into the deep woods of the island for mm -hmm. some reason. Some reason. To get away from yeah. the cats. There's also a good gag where they get like a bucket of crawfish shells and Scooby just like dumps them into his mouth and then spits them out machine gun style. Yeah. So when they eat their, their peppers... They get overwhelmed in that cartoony, turn, slowly turning red until they blow out steam at the top of their heads kind of look. They proceed mm -hmm. to go out to the bayou and drink the stagnant water. This is made much worse when we see more swirling green light appear and come down into the bayou, revealing that there were... Uh, several dead bodies in that water. Yes, and now they are still dead, but moving. Yes. I swear that moment just, ugh, <laughs> skeeved me out so bad. Uh, not only are they coming out of the water, they're just showing up out of the ground all around them as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which caused Scooby and Shaggy to freak out, jump in the mystery machine, and try to take off, but then they get stuck in the mud. Uh, so they get out and start running and run directly into Bo. And then I guess thinking he's also a zombie, run away while Bo says nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's so dramatically spooky for no reason except to get get them scared and run away. I think they do the trick. If it's not here, they do it during where like they look up and like the light is angled weird so they can't see his eyes and stuff. Yeah. And run away. And then he like either like twists his lantern like steps in line so you can fully see oh it's just Bo. Mm -hmm. It's one of those perspective tricks that only makes that, that like works in like a cartoon but you don't think about how it actually works in real life. Right. I mean it's also the fact that hey it's it's Scooby and Shaggy. They'll run away anyway. Earlier in this movie Scooby scared himself with a puppet. Yes. Yes he did. This is true. <laughs> um at, meanwhile, at the house at dinner, they hear Shaggy and Scooby scream in the distance. So they go to investigate and find Bo. Mm -hmm. Interrupting and... a meal of pecan pie, which I mentioned because that's a very southern, but also very good. Mm -hmm. 
I thought it looked more like a pecan cheesecake. <laughs> well, maybe I the mean, animators aren't as familiar. Also, it depends on who uh, makes the pecan pie, because sometimes pecan pie can get really thick. This is very true. I think it's also easy to, to, to dry out on accident. Mm-hmm. I've never made it myself, but I've had many a piece of, piece of pecan pie. Right. As has been sort of the norm of this movie, Fred and Velma are still very suspicious of Bo. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they go to split up, and it's supposed to be Daphne and Bo, but Velma's like, I'll go with Bo, and then whispers to Fred very loudly, <laughs> I won't let him out of my sight. <laughs> They split up, and um, Bo ends up grabbing Velma's arm, and is like, "Why are you so so suspicious of me?" Uh, and Velma says, "Because you're oh really super sp- suspicious." What's up? Um, so I need to mention that hey, remember when we were watching Witch's Ghost, and we had that really weird slime wipe transition? Yeah. We got it again here. Did we? Really? And we're about to get it a second time. Gosh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, it's got the sound and everything. Oh my gosh. This Martin mystery style scene transition. I hate it, but also <laughs> I love it. <laughs> of note is Bo, in, during this conversation with Velma, grabs up a large rock and it's given the impression that he's going to, you know, strike her with the large rock before he throws it over her head. Or reenact that scene from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he throws the rock over her head into a bunch of quicksand. Uh, Velma thanks him, but still says he's still a suspect. She said earlier in this movie of uh, Snakebite, who saved Shaggy and Scooby from alligators. Like, but he, but he, but they sit. But he saved their lives after Shaggy was like, oh, he's really suspicious. It's so interesting how Velma's priorities are. I will say, I could. it probably did not help that it looked like she, he was going to like crush her with the rock before he threw it to the quicksand. Very true. probably a, a more, you know, less aggressive way he could have done that. Right. Yeah, I would think that um, in Velma's defense, there are two things. Um, one... That theoretically she could probably save herself from the quicksand. She's pretty resourceful, and quicksand is a lot slower than an alligator. Mm-hmm. And also, Snakebite... Shaggy mentioned Snakebite as a possible suspect before the mystery had actually started. Very true. We have the Slime White, the, the second, transfer us over to Fred and Daphne, who find the mystery machine, and they're both being very jealous at each other. Yeah. <laughs> While they're discussing the potential love interest that each of them have that is not the other, a hand comes out of the bush to grab Daphne, and then she flip-throws it, revealing a very unmoving pirate zombie. And then she also throws Shaggy out of the bush as well, and then Scooby just pokes his head out. Yep. Uh, Daphne and Fred aren't really freaked out by this zombie because they definitely still think, uh, well... Fred thinks it's someone in a mask, and I think Daphne is also thinks it at this point. As they're discussing this, Daphne's trying to pull the mask off, but is very unsu- unsuccessful, saying it feels very real. Yes, I have a very important question about that line. 
does that mean she knows what decaying flesh feels like? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's a really good question. That's something I had not considered, and I don't know how to feel. Fred hands the camera off to Shaggy to give uh, the demasking a try. Fred is very successful and ends up pulling off the entire head. Yeah, I... There is a nice little bit of humor there with he keeps tugging strongly several times, and each time he does, he accuses someone else. (laughs) It's the fisherman. (laughs) It's the ferryman. Maybe it's real, he says, as he's holding the severed head in his hands. (laughs) And then Fred's like, well, maybe it's animatronic. And then the zombie puts his head back on. Mm -hmm. More, uh... Spooky green light hits the lake, and a lot more zombies appear. And Daphne asks Fred, does that mean they're all animatronic? Very sardonic. (laughs) Oh, and so we've had um, pirate zombies at first, and then we had some Civil War zombies, and now we just have some regular old tourist zombies. Yes, yes we do. Complete with cameras and floral Hawaiian-style shirts. Mm-hmm. They make a run for it. Fred trips mm-hmm. on a branch and loses the camera to a quicksand. Mm-hmm. And yep. then we get the song for the next chase montage. Folks, it's terror time again. <laughs> it's such yes. a good song. I think I like the... um. It's just another creep in a mask song from before a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so the chase montage ends with Fred, Velma, Daphne, and Bo all regrouping while Shaggy and Scooby fall into a weird cave. It's not even a sealed weird cave. Just a cave. Wide open. Mm-hmm. And they find a set of three wax dolls each one looking suspiciously like a member of the gang. We cut from them to Fred and Daphne telling Velma all about real zombies. And then the three of them just start floating and their limbs start moving around. Um, And it cuts occasionally to Shaggy and Scooby playing with these wax dolls. Yep. Up until they're chased out of the cave by bats and they drop the dolls and um, the rest of the gang falls to the ground Mm -hmm. they hear lena scream which we didn't mention i don't think but lena had screamed before and fred's like oh no we left him at the house and they all run for the house and they find that the power is out Bo makes to go to the circuit breaker and velma's like no i'm not letting you out of my sight and then fred finds a hidden entrance through the staircase Staircase, and I say, finds, by putting that in quotation marks. Yes. He, uh, he, uh, fell down some stairs. Mm-hmm. An entrance into stairs. Yes. Lena is down there, and is like, oh, hey, you found me. Uh, so me and Miss Lenoir were being attacked by zombies, so we hid in this Civil War hideaway. But then the zombies got Miss Lenoir and dragged her away. Velma is audibly skeptical as she examines the ground. It's like asking, you say they dragged her away? 
as she's looking directly at some very obvious footprints. Yeah. And to investigate this claim, they go further into the tunnel. And they keep going down the tunnel all the way to a ritual chamber. And just as Velma reveals that something is going on, and that Simone definitely just walked down here and not get dragged by zombies, Simone (laughs) steps into an opening spotlight above and tells her, Oh, it's too late for that. And laughs evilly. (laughs) Simone draws the Velma and Daphne wax dolls and pins them to the wall. Lena does the same with the Fred one and reveals that there is also one for Bo. And as they pin these to the walls, the respective characters fly to the walls and get stuck there. I do like Lena's line to Fred. She's like, I'm sorry, Fred. I really do like you in Slams on the Wall. So it's like, what would you do if you didn't like me? <laughs> um, I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. How come the dolls only do a thing... Like, when you want them to, and not just constantly whenever you pick them up? I had that thought, because Fred's doll is visibly in Lena's hand as as he's normally on the floor, just standing there, before she moves, moves him, moves his doll to the wall. Not picking him up, just moving him. And it's like... Um, excuse me, you've already picked up the doll. He should be floating. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, like, it would have been even worse because I feel like if you were trans- if Simone was picking them up and moving them from where they were to here, something mm-hmm. would have been obviously up. Yeah. I don't know. Simone decides to start revealing the evil plan of that when the harvest moon reaches midnight, the ritual can begin. And they've been doing this Every year for 200 years. 200 years. She's been getting away with it for 200 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that line, uh, she kind of turns cat-like. Sharp teeth and cat eyes and pointy ears. Pointy human ears, so like an elf. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, oh, that's unusual. Yeah, it, it, it is some legitimately good and creepy animation. Yeah. Doesn't their hair turn into cat ears or something? Not yet. I mean, no. Yeah. It's just their regular ears getting pointy. Mm -hmm. This is only like, like a partial cat phase. There, there is a second transformation later. Fred whispers, at least Scoob and Shagger free, uh, much to the amusement of Lena, who says that they didn't even bother making dolls of those two simpleton simpletons. It was a, It would be a waste of time and magic wax. I think we also get a line from Daphne. He's like, this is more haunted stuff than I really wanted. Yeah. Probably a little late for that, Daphne. Yep. <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby are out running from zombies. And they run, in, run to the ferry. Which doesn't run at night. Yes. So why is it here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's here because Jock... Immediately turns into a werecat. No build-up necessary. The boys freak out and run away, and Jock gives chase. Mm-hmm. We don't even get another Bayou line. He just says, I'm happy to see y'all, before he transforms. <laughs> yes. Uh, we go back to the ritual chamber, where Simone decides to start giving the gang a history lesson. Well, it's prompted because Velma says, oh, you must have found, oh, found oh, Morgan. Moonscarns is like, 
Morgan Moon's gone. This is why. This is why I wear this way in the first place. <laughs> yep, because they were settlers who worshipped a cat god for a bountiful harvest, and then <laughs> Moonscar and his pirate crew drove the villagers, except for Lena and Simone, into the bayou, and they're all eaten by gators. Yep. Uh, yeah, so they invoked the cat god's power so they could kill the pirates, and in the process were cursed themselves. And then different settlers came along and set up the plantation, so they killed those people too. And they gave Jacques immortality because they needed the ferry driver. Yep. Lena was the one who would go out to bring people to the island every harvest moon. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we cut back to Jacques chasing Shaggy and Scooby and manages to grab hold of both of them. But then the zombies show up again and attack him, specifically, while Shaggy and Scooby get away. I need to say, there's a great line um, once Jacques uh, catches Scooby and Shaggy and he says, What's the matter? Cat got your tongue. (laughs) <laughs> and this is a man who becomes a cat once a year and 100% came up with as many cat puns as soon as possible. Okay, was it as many as he could think of or is it just the one that he uses every year? Oh no, that's even better! <laughs> that's even better! <laughs> because no one will know that he's repeating himself because they die. Yes, perfect! <laughs> and he only has to catch them once. Oh, that's perfect. Maybe that's why all the zombies mob them. They've, they've all heard the joke before and they hate it. <laughs> while Shaggy and Scooby run away, they trip and they fall. And I'm pretty sure it's the same cave as before. Mm-hmm. Probably. And they manage to bowl over Simone and Lena. Hold on, this may not be the same cave. Because if it was, we would have seen the ritual chamber before. So I mean, maybe hmm. it was there and we just didn't see it. Maybe? I mean, granted, the cave they fell in was a good distance away from the house, and presumably it's meant to be somewhat close to the house? I don't know. Alright, but then Simone would have had to leave all the way to the other cave to get the dolls to bring it back to the house cave? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. Oh well. Yeah. So, yeah, they tripped down the cave. And they bowl directly over Simone and Lena, and even the uh, bowling ball hitting a bunch of bowling pins noise, Mm -hmm. knocking over the wax dolls. And to this, Simone and Lena decide to go full cat mode. Yeah. She's tired of this dog. So seeing more full cat people, Shaggy and Scooby run away and end up kicking the dolls close to a fire. And then we watch as the gang starts to melt. Yes, yes, we do. That one might be like the low-key most horrifying thing in this movie. That the, that the gang almost, you know, melts. That might be, yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, it'd be more horrifying um, because they run into zombies. Shaggy and Scooby run into zombies, so they turn around, go the other way, um... And therefore, they kick the dolls a second time away from the fire, and this brings the gang back to normal. However, wax does not normally harden back into its original state. So, theoretically, (laughs) they should have been stuck with melty faces. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that cat. Granted, 
Granted, it's a cartoon, and the melty faces could have been a symbolism of they're getting really hot, and not necessarily they're starting to melt. They're just getting incredibly sweaty. (laughs) There you go. Velma manages to get her feet around the doll that looks like her and starts trying to undo the ropes. Oh, actually, I forgot to mention how these dolls have been working. So, each of them has a portion of one of these people's either clothing or hair or something. Because Velma's uses Mm -hmm. the glasses cleaning cloth. Daphne's uses hair that I'm assuming they got from her hairbrush. Mm-hmm. Fred's uses a piece of his old ascot mm-hmm. <laughs> And then Bo, I'm guessing, is just part of his work shirt or something Yeah, I mean, he's been working there for a while So they could have gotten that at any time Yeah my, I wish they would have done something To, like, signify that this is happening at some point yeah, We don't hear anything about it Yeah, the only thing that they did is, like Velma mentions her glasses cleaning cloth which is weird because, like, they why it never she would never otherwise talk about her having a glasses cleaning cloth. Mm-hmm. And also, like, it would have been stolen near the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how we, when Velma is very suspicious of uh, Simone's sto- sto- story earlier about Lena's story earlier about Simone getting dragged away, and it's like we get. Like, maybe a minute of, huh, that's weird, before, oh, of course, it's because they're the villains. Um, it, I wish that we had give, been given more subtle clues that, wait a second, these people are the people who are doing this. Mm-hmm. Instead of finding out at the end with no actual clues to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, so... Tangent aside, Velma is trying to undo the ropes that are on the doll so that way she can move again. Simone and Lena grab Shaggy and Scooby, but then the zombies are further into the cave and stop them. And Shaggy and Scooby fly into the air at some point and land into the arms of a zombie. And they freak out, but Daphne's like, no guys, the zombies are the good guys. Which (laughs) is arguable at best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily the good guys, but, you know, revenge, they're on the same side. Yeah, but um, up until this point, they weren't even on the same side because every time they show up, they are very clearly going after the living people. Here's the thing, though. So I have this in my notes, but we kind of passed by it because it was part of the montage. There's a moment in the sequence where Scooby and Shaggy are running away from the zombies. And Shaggy is trying to pull out Scooby from Quicksand. And a zombie taps Shaggy's shoulder and hands him a vine to help bring Scooby out of the Quicksand. So, are they actually chasing the living people? Or are they just, you know, can't communicate? Because, you know... They probably don't have tongues anymore. That's fair. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> that said, I leave the uh, pirates and the Confederate soldier zombies on the bad guy list. Yes, very true. 
What about the 1920s gangsters? They're fine. <laughs> Let alone the poor uh, tourists with their cameras around their neck. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my favorite zombie montage scene was the part where the 1920s gangster zombies um, are sneaking up behind while the uh, their female counterparts are on the other side, because I assume they just start dancing afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> Sorry. Jacques gets into the cave um, and grabs Shaggy and Scooby. They just keep getting grabbed in this movie, like back mm-hmm. to back. Mm-hmm. Velma manages to get free and finds a piece of Lena's blouse and decides to swap the fabrics to... I feel like a magical wax doll should have more behind it than just swapping out the fabric that's attached to it, but I'm not a cat witch. So... Mm. Anyways, um, when Jock grabs Shaggy and Scooby, a pepper fell out of Shaggy's pocket, so Scooby grabs it and squirts it into Jock's eyes... And so they can get away. And immediately get grabbed again by Simone and Lena, who start draining their souls. Mm. And then Velma and Daphne use the modified wax dolls to send Simone and Lena flying into a different cave wall. However, Jacques, still blinded by pepper sauce, is running through and knocks into Velma and Daphne, causing them to drop the dolls Simone, Lena, and Jacques all start closing in on the gang and Beau, but then... It's past midnight. And they melt away. And the zombies close in, and then they also melt away into (laughs) piles of flesh and bone as their spirits fly into the night. I I didn't write down who said it. It was either Velma or Daphne who said, as the cat was like, looks like your nine lives are up. Oh my god, I forgot. It was very clearly more than nine. I would say about 200. Yeah. Anyways, the colonel ghost shows up. Sounds penny farthing. <laughs> and just says, Thank you. <sighs> and before we move on, I just want to point out that that cave is absolutely littered with discarded flesh and piles of bones. Yep. <laughs> Um, the gang's like, man, no one is going to believe us, not even the cops. I would say especially the cops, but it's the 90s. <laughs> uh, but at that point, Vo's like, actually, I'm a cop. <laughs> He's been an undercover cop this whole time. Which, considering he did have something to hide, makes yeah. sense why they were suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Vo doesn't think his superiors are going to believe him either. Yeah. Um, so Daphne's like, well, how about I get you on the show? And then we can spread the word that way. But that would just be a single person telling the story. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think is going to give you much more credibility. Mm-hmm. Nah. We cut to, you know, sort of a fade as time passes. And Fred and Daphne are sharing a romantic sunset. And Bo says some poet garbage to Velma who... Starts to fall for him, maybe? I hope not. Uh, I hope not. Yeah. This movie and The Witch's Ghost, I don't know if the other two of this series do it, they really try to, like, set up a romantic interest for Velma, and it doesn't really work. I can like, confirm it, that they definitely don't do it in uh, Cyber Chase unless Velma is supposed to start falling for Cyber Velma or something. 
Make, it would make more sense than this random guy that they're never going to see again. This yeah, random would... cop who likes to write, who wants to maybe write detective stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, Velma's not going to fall for an alternate Velma until Mystery Inc. <laughs> um, so the very starts to pull away as everybody loads up, except for Scooby's not on there, who's, because he's over there picking a pack of pickled peppers. <laughs> And as he tries to get onto the boat, uh, he somehow ends up being flown through the air, which distracts Snake Fight Scruggs in the background long enough for Big Mona to get free. So he's still mad about that. Shaggy gives Scooby a sandwich, which he proceeds to load up with peppers and such. And then we see that the fairy is now covered in cats. And then we get credits. Yeah, so we get the credits and they play all of the big songs from the movie. Um, and then we get a post-credit sequence where Scooby and some cats are in like a very cartoonish, like watercolor void, and Scooby just pours a bowl of milk for the cats, and then goes a Scooby Dooby Doo. Jeez. And that's the movie. Yep. <sighs> so of note, uh, there was the, one of the zombie tourists, like. They dissolved or whatever, but the camera around its neck didn't, and I want to know if it can be developed. Ooh, God. Oh, that, that is a good question. Zombie selfies. Zombie selfies. Uh-huh. I liked this movie. Here's my thoughts on this movie. Mm-hmm. It's okay, but also I feel like it's kind of a Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers take two. It is. It honestly is. And I think it has the exact same problem of having a few too many things going on at once. Mm-hmm. See, I'll argue about that because yes, it had Snakebite, which was who who was completely superfluous, but it wasn't the kind of superfluous that the hillbilly characters in the previous movie had. Yeah. Where it was, it was just agonizingly drawn, drawn out. This was like he showed up like what three times, total. Yeah, I would argue that we do have an ape equivalent in the sense of, um, like, the non-pirate zombies and ghosts. Yeah. Um, especially like the Civil War ghost. Mm. Yeah. I will say, I think. Those were important to the visual storytelling in which we got to see that, oh, it's not just pirates from 200 years ago. It's Civil War uh, era people and 1920s people and modern-ish people. Um, So it's a, a visual clue that something more than just haunting by a pirate is going on yeah they do try to set up a mystery you know if like they you'd argue that they aren't entirely playing fair they do they do follow the scooby-doo rule of the first person you see being the villain though so i guess credit to that yeah yeah i can't believe chris the talk show host was the villain the whole time The first person relevant to the mystery, I should say, then. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely much better than Boo Brothers, obviously. I just... Obviously. I think I'm the only person I know that has less than stellar feelings about Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Like, 
I like it, but I do see some of the flaws, and I I forget whether I mentioned it. If this, I said this off mic or on a different one. I do think there was a problem when you make a Scooby Doo movie, and like the premise is the monsters are real because, like, it you you go. It's kind of hard to describe. Like you go in things like, like they they go they act weird because like they act all self aware, just like oh yeah, this is gonna be a fake thing to like set up the monster reveal, but like isn't really how they act in in like normal Scooby Doo episodes. Usually, like you know, Velma will start to get suspicious going, but like when a ghost shows up, the first thing is like oh yeah, that's a real ghost. It's not like oh well, obviously that one's a hologram this time. Yeah, it doesn't quite hit like peak. Like I will say the it. It doesn't quite hit, like, peak, like, ironic, like, self-aware Scooby-Doo, like, say, like, the live-action movie, but I can see it, like, kind of going down that path at times. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, in addition to some of my other problems, that, like, the whole history of the cat people and just the fact that they're monster cats in general also feels like it's kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, it is. Um, Especially also with the wax dolls. Hmm. Yeah. There was a line by um, Velma that kind of was ridiculous, uh, where Daphne asks, where are we, when they first enter the room with the rituals, and Velma responds, looks to me like a place for voodoo rituals. And it's like, what? Where did that come from? How can you tell that that's what this is? They have a history of people trying to do mysterious rituals even just as like a ploy to get people out of the way so they can make mad money ah okay um plus she's a very big book nerd true very true um, that said i don't think she should use or would use the phrase some sort of voodoo rituals yeah mm-hmm. all right i think we have discussed our opinions thoroughly enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let us begin ranking. Is this movie better or worse than Scooby-Doo, Mask of the Blue Falcon? Hmm. Gosh, it's been so long since I've watched Mask of the Blue Falcon now. I'm... I'm torn. I am too. Um, part of me wants to say yes, but even if it does go above, it's definitely not by much. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the... Th- if it is above, is it better than Witch's Ghost? Definitely not. Yeah. I would say yeah. I agree. Um, which really just we have to decide whether or not it's better than Blue Falcon at that point, which Yeah. I cuz it's definitely better than Scooby Goes Hollywood. Yeah. My the part of the reason I'm torn on it is cuz I know I had basically zero problems with Mask of the Blue Falcon. Mhm. Or at least to my knowledge anyways. Yeah, I- I'm coming from a biased point of view because of all of these movies Scooby-Doo and on Zombie Island is one of the ones that I remember very distinctly from my childhood, so I'm very biased when thinking about this ranking. Yeah, the only thing I really remember of it is the hot peppers. <laughs> James, what do you, do you think, have James? any input? Uh, I would, but I have not actually seen Scooby-Doo Mask of the Blue Falcon, so mm. uh, so it's kind of hard to contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think, trying to remember, because I did listen to the episode, I'm trying to think if there was any, like points that could promote or disqualify uh i will say about mask of the blue falcon um i think it is interesting especially because of the time it came out it was doing sort of a meta commentary on modern edgy superhero movies Mm -hmm. um specifically about a 
a fake version of a franchise that the same company owns the rights to. <laughs> and it was doing the edgy reboot thing. Yeah. Referring, of course, to the Dark Knight trilogy. Yes. Um, I'm okay with ranking it underneath Mask of the Blue Falcon. Okay. I think that's fair, especially because it is definitely a very close either way. Yeah. And there's probably going to be plenty of movies in the future that we watch and review that will be under Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Mm-hmm. Although we've got a pretty decent lineup for the next few months. Yeah, I know, right? Um, speaking of which, um, next month will be Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School, which is one of my personal favorites and will be our It's Almost Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, that one, I remember watching, catching a bunch of reruns, though, isn't that... Isn't like I always kind of get confused. Isn't there one where Shaggy gets turned into a werewolf, or does that also happen in this movie? Or is there like two movies where that happens? No, that is a second movie, and it is the third of the Red Shirt Shaggy movies. Ah, okay. And I have opinions on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. James, where can people find you and plug your stuff? Uh, you can find me at Discord. I'm just going underscore ink on twitter uh i have a beast wars recap podcast called the axelon archives uh we're actually just finishing up on beast wars and getting to start beast machines which will be an interesting time and there are other variations of like my username you can find on various social medias sometimes i post about hollow knight sometimes i post about i don't know other stuff okay and um plug at least one thing that you are not involved in uh, I will plug uh, Morph Club cast, because they actually just recently ended their run. They uh, finished all the Animorphs books and, like, posted a and posted a finale. I have not, I admit I'm a bit behind on it, but, like, I've, I've liked what I've heard of it so far, and I really want to catch up. And, uh, I've met, uh, I've met them in person before and called them into the show, and they're very nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen that name floating around, and I have sort of a general interest in that. I might be giving that a shot myself soon. You can find me on Twitter, at Madlobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. I think I spelled that correctly. If not, you can go to a different episode where I definitely spelled it correctly. <laughs> uh, and you can find me at LavaBees, um, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. On Twitter? You can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog, and you can email us on the email service of your choice at kids, or not, sorry, that's wrong, at andtheirdumbdog.gmail. at gmail.com, not dot gmail.com, because that's not how email addresses work. I'm having a fun time talking right now. <laughs> it's late, you're fine. Um, you can also go to our website, that is kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com. Um, we will actually finally be having something up there soon because I'm in the middle of reading something and I might do sort of a book report on it. Ooh. Um, other than that, I think that's everything. You know, if you have any questions or want to be a guest on the show, get in contact with us on either our Twitter account or via email. That's your choice. Um, 
I think we've covered everything. So, like I said, uh, next month we'll be doing Ghoul School. But until then, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. And their dumb dog too. Do we do?